we're going to talk about this morning, where is my answer? Anybody want to know where their answer is? Anybody in here been believing for anything that hasn't come to pass? That's not everybody. You ought to be believing for something. Something. I mean, I've got things I'm believing for. Everybody should be believing for something. If you're not, you're you're probably dead. You know, so... um, I want you guys to think about that the whole time we're going through this this morning. And and we're going to sing it again at the end of the service. And I want you confessing that over yourself every day. I always win. I always win. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I always win. So you can be seated and we'll go forward from here. Thanks, guys, for learning that for me. I appreciate y'all. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm not Keith Moore. For years around Raymond because they would just see me at the distance and they'd always see Keith. They never knew my name. They just said, Mrs. Keith. So that was my name for 20 years. I was Mrs. Keith, you know. So, But I am Mrs. Keith, but I'm not Keith. So uh, Keith is actually at Mac and Lynn Hammonds this morning in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He preached last night. He preached at 8.30 this morning. And if he got out on time, he's starting his ex- another service that was supposed to start at 10.30 this morning. So uh, he's already preached three times. And uh, they've got, I guess, around 5,000-plus people that he's preached to over the weekend. So everything that you've sown for him to be able to go is ministering to those people this morning and again tonight so uh, I have prayed for him and uh, I trust that you guys if you think about it again uh, pray for him tonight he's got another service tonight and he'll be, be zipping zip zip back home tomorrow so uh, we'll expect good weather and everything for that to happen so uh, y'all are in agreement with me right I know everybody's in agreement with me yes so uh, we, we've asked and um, I'm expecting good results from it and then I wanted to give you a report you remember the last time he was gone and I spoke he went to Clovis New Mexico you remember I told you about that and I told you that they got a good church well he got there and in the middle of the service the Lord dealt with him about giving his offering that night for he had some people he ba- closed their eyes and and uh, the Lord dealt with him that there was people in there that was about to get their home repossessed I mean just he didn't know how many if it was one or if it was five well it turns out it was several of them and uh, he gave his offering that night to them to those people they dispersed it so that meant seed that you know we have for the ministry and the church here is in the ground in those people's lives for house payments for all of you guys also so uh, you should be thanking God we sowed seed for you guys so that's a good thing so uh, but we got letters the other day from these people and you could tell they were just touched and blessed that they didn't lose their houses and you know you would be if you didn't lose your house so uh, Good things are happening out there on the road, and we continue to expect that the airplanes are going and, and taking him in and out, and uh, y'all be believing with us for every place he's supposed to go and when he's supposed to be gone and when he's supposed to be here. So I guess you will be, um, like I've said before, and people fuss at me far, but you'll be stuck with me this morning. So here we go. Y'all ready for it? Yeah, you don't have to clap. My feelings won't be hurt at all. Um, those of you who don't know, I want to go into just a little bit before I start on the sermon about what Dave was telling about, about the hospitality teams. Um, we have teams, and we've talked about it. We've got teams that are uh, praise and worship teams. We've got children's teams. We've got usher teams. We've got parking lot teams. We've got uh, uh, prison teams. We've got just all kind of different teams, hospital teams. We have a hospitality team that is like top-notch. Um, those of you who don't know, I'm 
you, you know me, I'm pretty blunt with things, but I get frustrated with people that say they're too tired to do things. I'm going to brag on Lorna. She's not out here right now. She's out there teaching the kids their song for next Sunday. But uh, she worked the Copeland meeting almost night and day trying to get ready with all the food for that. She did night and day. The people bragged on her night and day. Then she worked Celebration Sunday all day long for days and days and days trying to get all that food stuff sorted and, and making all the tags and labels and getting all the tables set up and she did an excellent job on that then she immediately had to turn around and um, Nancy's gone on vacation so she's taking her place plus uh, Dave's uncle's funeral and had to coordinate teams to gather all the food and do that sort of stuff and for those of you who don't know what we do on that is instead of having to call people at the last minute that are working and doing these sort of things we usually just go out and buy some really nice food and present it on, if we have china or crystal or, or things like that, or, or nice place settings or silver or something, and bring it to the people that are at the funeral, serve them after the funeral. The church pays for it all instead of me having to call you at the last minute and say, Miss Joan, whoop me up something really quick when she's got to run to the grocery store and she's got to do this and she's got to do that. And so uh, what we have done is just taken monies out of the general fund and put it towards doing these things and making them very nice for people that are at a funeral. And... Uh, I don't know. How many of you in here have experienced some of that? Raise your hand if you've, if you've experienced some of that. Did it go well for your people? Did it go well? Yes. And um, I expect that we're only going to get better and better about that. So the reason that I'm bringing that up to you this morning is I would like for some people to be able to help Lorna more. I know she used some of the singers. Raise your hand. Who all went with her yesterday? Yes. Um, they... Um, helped her really, really a lot yesterday, but we could use some more people that she doesn't have to go to every funeral and set up the food. But the reason that she's kind of been doing it is because I am um, kind of along the lines of a perfectionist. I want it done a certain way, and I want it to represent the church a certain way. And I don't want somebody just going in there because it's something that they're helping with, and it's not their family, and they don't really care. But I want it representing you as a church properly, first class, I mean, we don't have to do second class. We've got a big God. We can do first class. So, uh, And it ministers to people. You would be surprised at the people that it ministers to that are not saved. Like, why are they doing this for us? We didn't even go to church there. Why are they doing this for us? Well, because God loves them. He died for them. And we are going to be a part of that love to show his love toward them. So uh, if you have not signed up on a team and you say, well, this church is big and I want to start doing this or I want to start doing that so I can meet more people. How many of you have met people on your team? Stand up. I know you're all comfortable. I told you all not to get used to that being comfortable this morning. You've met people on your teams. You've met good friends and you've learned some things. Okay, see the rest of you people that are standing around. See, Amy had to be out of town this weekend, so Lorna was without her help this weekend. And um, so um, all of these people that are standing around have worked on teams and have met other people on their teams. So if you haven't been involved in a team, the cleaning team has got, I mean, they have been become big buds you know and and so uh, get together with people on these teams and find out where your place is everybody has a place let's find our place and get into it okay because you know what whether you want to believe it or not somebody in your family could go home to be with the lord and you might want some of those services so it's good to sow in those areas and then you're prepared when it happens in your life right all right i want to talk to you about this morning where's your answer do y'all want to know where your answer is yeah you remember the story Keith tells about um, 
We were believing for some money one time, and uh, I think it was $500. And we were so far behind in everything we had. I mean, we couldn't, I mean, you couldn't get to the top of the barrel. You were still underneath the barrel, and it was on top of you because we were so broke. But um, we, were, we had begun to learn about believing God for some things. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, where is it at? We're doing what we know to believe God for it. And he said, Phil, I tell you this, do you believe that person can hear from God? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, well, if God has to deal with him, and he's got to hunt us up and bring us that money himself. I believe God is faithful enough to do that for us. Can you believe that? And I said, absolutely, I can believe that. And it is the absolute truth, I'll never forget it, the longest day I live, that that person the very next day hunted Keith down, went to his office, knocked on his door, and handed him $500 cash. Now, this person, we didn't know him at the time. We became real close with him later, but we didn't even know him at the time. But he hunted Keith down and gave him that money. So ever since that day, I know that the problem is not with God. Because God can use whoever he needs to to get the answer to us. So let's look, first of all, before we get into where the answer is, let's look at some of the things that he's provided for us so that we're clear about what we can be believing for. Keith talked, I think, Friday night, and he has been starting out there on 3 John 2. So turn with me there to 3 John 2. Does anybody in here need a Bible this morning? Do you, did you forget yours? Because I'm going to be going over lots of scriptures, so be ready to turn and, and keep a smile on your face. Um, or I may come and shake your hand and say hi this morning or something. I like happy people. To me, there's absolutely no reason to be depressed. I mean, absolutely none. There is no reason to be depressed. When God's already given you all these things, and you'll see it by the end of it. So uh, I like happy people. I mean, it's real easy to be the kind of person that, that believes that your problems, you have more of them than anybody else under the sun, and uh, so you ha- therefore can afford yourself the luxury of being depressed, but it doesn't work that way. Third John 2, everybody find it and everybody got a Bible? All right, let's read it and um, see what all the things that God has provided for us, that Jesus has provided for us, all right? Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So number one, he's prospered, he's provided for us finances and he's provided for us health, right? Y'all write, if you got paper, write it down. These are things he's provided for us. He's provided prosperity and he's provided health. So those are two things. Let's look again at another one. You most of you could quote these scriptures as well as I can quote them, but I just want to remind you before we get into some other things, things that he has provided for us. Um, Isaiah 53, 5. Turn with me there. I want you to see these with your own eyes. So uh, if you can't turn to them quickly, look up there on the board because they're going to have them up there on the board for you. So um, Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our what? Peace Peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. healed. So he provided prosperity. He provided uh, healing. He provided peace. 
and he provided healing again. So in the mouth of two or three weaknesses. So if you don't have any peace, it's something he has provided. Let's find out why you don't have it. I, that was Isaiah 53, 5. Now let's turn to 1 Peter 2, 24. I like it. Everybody's doing what I said. I said smile, and they look at me, and they smile so big. I just like that. Hey, that's great. Devin needs his camera up here from the back of the stage to see all these smiling faces today. 1 Peter 2.24. I guess that's just my personality. I'll tell you a quick thought. My mom and daddy's sitting over there. They can verify it. I was in a car accident, broke my leg, had my face all cut up, and my teeth knocked out, my head all cut to pieces in my leg, and, and uh, I was laying there on the table, and my mama was crying. And I looked at her, and I said, Mama, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Is that correct? Just always been that way. You know, it's going to be okay, all right? Just say that. It's going to be okay. Doesn't matter what it looks like today. It can all change just really quickly. It's going to be okay. So First um, Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Okay, so we know he's already taught this three times. He says we're healed, right? Three times. He tells us we're healed. He tells us we have peace. And he tells us we have prosperity. Let's look at another one on prosperity. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Now, what you see in these with your eyes, because you need to see that it's not something somebody's making up. This is something God said. Now, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Keith. You don't have to believe Dave. You don't have to believe Jan. You don't have to believe anybody that's sitting by you. But you do have to believe God. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Hold on to the person next to you. They may not like this verse. (laughs) For you know. Everybody there, I want you to see it. Anybody not there, hold up your hand because I want you to see this. Okay. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that who... Who does you mean? Me. Say me. me. Through his poverty might be rich. Get by. No. Rich. Through his poverty you might be rich. 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 Check the person next to you. See if they're saying it. That you might be rich. Y'all need to yell that. Y'all don't even believe it hardly. Even after the Bible says it. Rich, 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 rich. Yes. You might be rich. I didn't say that. God said it. So you don't have to believe me. He, I mean, he was made poor. Now, what if I was rich and I said, I said, okay, what I'm going to do for you is, okay, Kim, you're poor. I'm going to take all your poverty and I'm going to live in your house and I'm going to drive your ragged car and I'm going to wear your wore out clothes and I'm going to eat macaroni and cheese every day for a year and I want you to move into my house. And I want you to take all the prosperity that I have. And I'm a rich person. I am very, very wealthy. I'm a king, you know. And I have all these things. And I want you just to live in it just like it's yours. And drive it just like it's yours. Now, wouldn't it just be really dumb if she sat there and said, You know what? I think I'm just going to stay in my house with my stuff. I like being poor. That's what people are doing every single day. They're doing that. God says, I became poor so that you could be rich. 
Okay? He said it. I didn't. All right? So you're rich. Okay? The next... I, I could stay all day on that one, but I've got other notes, you know, so we better go on. James 1, verse 5. I cheat on y'all. I don't have to turn to them. I, I took the time and turned to them all yesterday and wrote them all down for you and... and uh, Cheated just a little. James 1 5. Everybody there, look at it with your own eyes. Make sure your neighbor's reading it, all right? If any of you lack what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Now, is wisdom important? You need it every day. Need it every day. What do you do? You ask of God. And he will hold back from you and never give you any answers about anything you're asking him about. He'll give it to you liberally. He'll give it to you liberally. That means abundantly. He'll give you wisdom overflowing and abundantly. So anytime you say, I don't know what to do, you're disagreeing with the Bible. Because he says, I will give you wisdom if you ask me for it. So anytime you say, I don't know how we're going to make these payments. Well, there you go. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm sick. The kids are sick. How are we going to pay their college tuition? I don't know. Well, let's read it again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, here's the stickler. But he has to ask how? In faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So God says he will give you what? prosperity he will give you health he will give you peace he will give you healing he will make you rich and he will give you wisdom is there anything else that somebody's lacking in here this morning that those things would not cover pretty much covers it doesn't it and he's already given every bit of it to us every bit of it to us so we know that he's given it to us so why are we living without it Is he a liar? Or is he faithful? Well, let's find out. Let's look at some scriptures about how faithful he is. All right? Turn with me then to 1 Corinthians 1, 9. I I told you I was going to make you look at a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to pretend like I'm a real good teacher this morning, you see. Get my notes here. Faithful means dependable. You can depend on them. Faithful means if I call Mo and I say, Mo, will you take care of this for me? Then I know he's going to do it for me. I told, where's Bob Ashley? Stand up, Bob. Nobody knows this, but I'm going to tell something on him this morning. And then Donna's going to stand up right after him. I tell, Bob has been here since our very first service, and he has not missed one service. Not one. He has not missed one service. So I told Donna, Donna, stand up. She has worked the bookstore every service. And I told her I was going to get me a dictionary and right next to the word faithful, I was going to put their picture. Because you don't have to wonder if he's going to be here to play the guitar and you don't have to wonder if she's going to be here to run the bookstore. You know immediately they're going to be here because they are what? Faithful. Well, now, y'all can be seated. Thank you very much. If they can be that faithful, what about God? Okay. Faithful means dependable. It also means loyal. It also means stable. And it goes on to tell in the Nelson's Bible Dictionary that it describes God in his relationship to human believers. 
The faithfulness of God and His Word is a constant theme throughout the Bible. Constant. That's what it's telling us in Nelson's. That I mean, it describes faithful. Anytime you would think of faithful, is there anybody that you can think of more faithful than God? No. Well, some people evidently don't really believe that He's faithful. I mean, it's really easy to say it with your mouth, I believe he's faithful. But if you truly, truly, truly believed he was faithful, you would have all these things working in your life. Because, let's look at these scriptures. First John, I mean, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful. Does that say that in your Bible? Anybody's Bible not say that? That's all I want you to read on that. The rest of it we could get into and you could preach a different sermon. I just want you to see these parts of it. God is faithful. Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, this is a verse to me that is so misquoted, so misused, so misinterpreted that um, we need to take just a minute with it. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay? So it says God is faithful. But what is he faithful to? To keep you from ever having a test or trial? Is that what this verse said? How many people have ever heard it quoted, God will not pour on, put more on you than you can bear? I bet you every person in here could just about raise their hand. God will not put more on you than what you can bear, you know. Well, listen to what this verse says. He'll not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. So what that means is if you are in a trial or a test in your life right here, right now, today, you're going through sickness, you're going through poverty, you're going through lack, you're going through problems with your kids, you're going through marriage problems. It says right here that he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. Now, what does that mean? You're going to have things that come up, but he's not going to let them be bigger than what you are mature enough to overcome. That's what he's saying. He's not saying you're not going to be tempted. Everybody will be tempted. Now, Bambi here, she might be tempted in a small area. But now Dave might be tempted in a bigger area because he should have had more word if he's been studying as long as he thinks he has. Do you understand what I'm saying? There will be different trials and tests. It might be that you need to believe God and be tempted that you don't have $5 to eat lunch with and then the other person has got enough word in them that they would be tempted that they could be failing in believing God for their house payment, which is $500. Where Bambi here is believing for for $5, then Joan might be believing for $500 for her house payment. God's not going to allow you to be tempted above what you are able to overcome. 
Read it again. Read it again. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So don't come to somebody and say, you just don't know what I'm going through. Nobody has ever experienced this before. Nobody's ever gone through this before. Nobody has ever had to deal with this before. This is just me. I'm being attacked like nobody else. I mean, we are losing everything. Well, uh, I bet you you could ask the person next to you, and they've probably been tempted in that same area that you're being tempted in now, or elsewise the Bible would be lying. It says there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, what I would add there is to overcome, able to succeed in, able to deal with, able to bear. But he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He'll make a way of escape. There's an exit sign constantly. When there's a temptation, there is a way out. There's no closed doors and all the electricity go off and you can't see the exit signs. It's against the law. When If the lights went out in here right now, you'd be able to see every one of these exit signs. And that's just exactly the way it is with God. It can be very dark in your life. And if I, if I knew I could do it quick enough, I'd show you what I'm talking about. I'd turn every light out in here, and you would see in a hurry that there's the exit signs. You'd see them all around you, the exit sign. Well, it's exactly that way in your life with God. But the dark is so strong that you can't see the exit sign, that you're not even looking for the exit sign. You're just overwhelmed by the dark. You're overtaken by how dark it is. And, and scared you're going to run into the chair. Or scared you're going to run into the pulpit. Or scared you're going to run into Mike. Or scared you're going to run into Jeremy or, or Larry. You, 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 we would have clashes going on all around the place. But if you could see that exit sign and you could keep your eye on that exit sign, it wouldn't matter how many people you bumped into along the way, you would eventually make it to that exit sign, right? I mean, you might fall, you might get trampled on, you might get stepped on, you might get yelled at, you might get slapped even. I don't know. Some people get panicky, you know. But I guarantee you, eventually, as wide as this aisle is and as big as those doors are back there, turn around and look. Look at the exit sign. See them back there? You, you would eventually be able to make your way to that exit sign and get out of that problem, wouldn't you? You'd be able to get out of that darkness. Well, what happens is people get so wrapped up in their problem, they're not even looking for the exit sign. They just get wrapped up in how big their problem is. They're not even looking for the way to escape. Okay? So then let's keep going. Let's find out how faithful God is. God's so faithful, he puts you up an exit sign. Here it is. He will make a way to escape. Does your Bible say that? He will make an exit. I wrote that in my Bible. He makes me an exit. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Let's keep finding out about how faithful God is. Y'all having fun yet? All right. Don't forget to smile at me. First Thessalonians 5.24. I like this verse. Y'all like it? Yeah. Yeah. Faithful is he that calls you 
And what does it say? He will also do it. What will he do? Whatever he called you to do. He'll do it. He'll perform it in your life. Faithful is he. And he will do it. 2 Thessalonians 3. I even have them in order for you, see? So it should be real easy and quick for you to be able to turn. Don't, don't give up on turning on me now. Find these. Look at these yourself. The devil would try his best to convince you that, that God is not going to come through for you. That he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your problems. He doesn't care about what you're going through. He doesn't care if you're sick or you're broke or you're needing this or needing that or needing answers or your marriage is in trouble. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about you. Does he? Yes, he does. Second Thessalonians 3.3. 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from evil. He is faithful to establish you. Who is faithful? The Lord is faithful. Okay, look at Hebrews 10. It don't matter if I'm faithful. I could, as a human, break my word to you. I could tell you I was going to do something and something come up and me just not be able to do it, have full intentions of doing it and not be able to do it. But is it that way with God? Can he get too busy to where he can't help you or be faithful to you? Does it ever happen that he's so busy with a, hi guys, good to see y'all. They're they're not from here, they're visitors this morning. So, Lance and Francine. Um, So uh, we're glad to have them. So anyway, God is faithful. I mean, he is, no matter what, if you promise somebody you're going to do something, you could not do it, right? Not God. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 23. Everybody there? I still hear pages turning. I want you all to see these with yourself, with your own eyes. Mark them in your Bible. Go back to them when the devil's trying to tell you it's not going to happen. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. He is faithful. God is faithful. Say it. God is faithful. He is faithful. All right, look at Hebrews 11. I know I'm giving you a bunch of them, but some people need a bunch of them. They got a bunch of ideas in their head that God ain't faithful because of a bunch of things the devil's told them. So take one of these on each thing that he's told you and just kick him. Every one of them, you know, just kick him out with it. Hebrews 11, 11. Through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because what? She judged him faithful that had promised. That's how she was able to stand. When every thought came against her and said, Sarah, there's no way, lady, you're having a child now. What would she fall back on? God is faithful. Though That bill, you'll never pay it. What do you fall back on? You'll never get healed of that. Your kids are going to grow up and be a mess. You'll never get a new job. 
You'll never pay that house off. I mean, does the devil tell you things like that? You're not going to have any sales this month. The economy's down and your business is going down the tube. What do you fall back on? God is faithful. Find your scriptures. God is faithful. Find the ones that we talked about. He's faithful to heal. He's faithful to give you peace. He's faithful to give you wisdom. He's faithful to make you rich. Not just pay your light bill, but to go far out beyond that and make you rich. All right? So we know he's faithful. Now, something some people need to know about God, because they're around so many people, and nobody in here is like this, so don't look around, because I know for a fact that there's nobody in this building like this. All right? Um, turn to Titus 1-2. Y'all didn't know where all these books were. Good lesson in finding your scriptures. We'll have to do like the little kids did last week and learn our books of the Bible. (laughs) Titus 1-2. Some people need to hear this next part because all their life they've been around people that do this, but nobody in here. Somebody already read it. I can hear they're laughing. In hope of eternal life, which God, what? That cannot lie. He cannot lie, promised us before the world began. So if he's faithful and he can't lie and he told you he promised you these things, what's got to happen? All right, turn to Hebrews 6.18. Some of you still don't believe it. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And I don't want anybody going out of here and saying God's not faithful. You can't have a new car. You're poor. You can't pay that car off. You got in over your head just trying to be like everybody else. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. Hebrews 6.18 By two immutable things in which it was what? Impossible. Impossible. I mean, he couldn't even consider it. It is totally, completely, no way, no how, not a chance, impossible for God to lie. I mean, he can't lie. So all these things that he promised us that we looked at at the beginning, all these things that he said we would prosper, we would be in health, we could have peace, we could be healed, and that we could be rich, and that we could have wisdom, cannot be a lie. They can't be a deception. Who is the father of lies? The devil. So when he comes to you and says, you can't be healed, Immediately you know who it's coming from because God says you are healed and he cannot lie. Anybody in here believing for healing? Yes. Don't be ashamed to raise your hand. I think that's a big problem that a lot of churches have. I'll be brutally, frankly, you know me. Anyway, (laughs) it's this thing about nobody can be broke. Nobody can be sick. 
nobody can ever have a problem in their marriage, nobody can ever have a test or trial, well, then they ain't alive. It's true. I mean, you go to places and everybody, you know, is so in debt, so far over their head that they can't even see straight. And uh, they walk up to everybody and they're ashamed to say, well, you know, I had this attack me this week. Well, great. What did you do with it? That's the important thing. I was talking with somebody the other night and they said, you know, I just can't come to church all the time because I have migraines. Well, I had migraines, but glory to God, you can get rid of migraines. You don't have to have migraines. But it's not a sin to have one. The devil, you can't keep him. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can keep him from building a nest in there. And it's the truth. Don't go around with this hyper-spirituality thing that you never get attacked with anything. You'll leave a wrong impression to people that are being attacked. You leave a wrong impression that you have got it together, that nothing can attack you. You never have any problems. Nothing ever goes wrong. I tell you right now, I'm dealing with something I am believing God with every fiber of my being about. I have been fasting about it. I have been praying about it. I have been seeking God about it. It ain't my health. It ain't my marriage. It's something else. But it's been a deal to me. I'm telling you, it's been a deal to me. And one of these days, I'll be able to tell you what it is, but not now. Because somebody might not be believing with me, and I, I can't have it where people don't believe with me. So when I'm past it, I'll tell you about it. And it's not a bad thing. It's just I have got wisdom on it, is my confession. I've got wisdom. And if you're not going through things where you're constantly having to stretch your faith and believe God for things and overcome things, then you ain't alive. And so don't come in here with that haughty-totty attitude that you've got all your bills paid and you've never been attacked in your body and everybody in your family is perfect when I know good and well there ain't a person in here that every person in their family is perfect. You know? It's right. Yeah, clap to the Lord. That's right. Yeah, yeah, glory to God. Because you leave a wrong impression to people out there on the street. That's why people don't want to come in the doors of a church. Because they sit next to somebody that's telling them, God just gave me a new car. Well, how long did you have to stand and believe for that car, sister? How many cars did you have to let miss payments on before you got that car? Tell us that part of it. You know? Don't just tell us the part, God just blessed me with a new car. Yes, he did, and that's the good report. But don't leave the wrong impression with people that you've never had to go through anything because then they will not be able to grow. That's how you help people to grow. That's not love, leaving the impression that you've never had to overcome anything. It's not love because then they don't know how to overcome it. I I was talking with somebody the other night, and they said, you know, I wouldn't even be listening to you if I didn't know that you had had marriage troubles. I mean, if if my life was totally perfect, then why should anybody listen to me simply because, you know, if I've never been attacked, how do I know what it is to overcome something? But it said we've all been tempted, and it's common to all of us. So don't leave that impression with people, and that was not what I meant to say. But anyway, (laughs) let's get back to what I did meant to say. Um, Don't leave that impression. I'm going to try to get off of it. But don't leave that impression with people out on the street. We here at Faith Life Church are rich. Yes, we are. And that's our confession. But just say, we're growing too. 
Don't leave the impression that you've got everything. And don't go out and charge everything up to do that attitude of keeping with the Joneses. We're doing this by faith. And maybe you don't have the house that you want today. But dear God and bless God, next week you will. Or the next week you will. You know, you may not have the car you want today. I mean, we drove a car. Let me tell you about a car we drove. You want to hear about it? We drove a car. I'm trying to get off of this, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. We drove a car, a little blue Vega, a 77 Vega. What did they have? Aluminum motors or something in them, you know? And uh, they were, I mean, it's like when they built them, they said, now this thing's going to run hot and blow up on you. But snow it, don't go anywhere because it's going to happen to you, you know? Anybody else have a Vega in that? Yes, yes. Y'all know what I'm talking about then. All right, that's right. Okay. We had a 77 Vega. We're driving in from Tulsa to Mississippi. I mean, it is pouring down rain. It is 20 degrees outside. It is freezing cold, and it blows up on us. In the middle of a plantation that we were taking a shortcut on, that all it was out there was cotton farms. And it is 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going in for Keith's grandfather's funeral that he has to preach at 10 o'clock the next morning. Two o'clock in the morning, I called my daddy. I said, Daddy, after walking 20 miles in mud up to here to find a trailer that would, didn't, every place we went said, we don't have a phone. And you could, you, you know, they said, the person before them said, they have a phone. We use their phone all the time. But then you get there, we don't have a phone, you know. Well, it's two o'clock in the morning. They don't know us, you know. You don't just let people in off the street. So finally we got to these people's house trailer that we spied 20 miles off in the distance and walked in the mud and the freezing cold. And by then it was like 4.30 in the morning. And uh, we got there and they opened the doors for us and welcomed us in. He got up and built a fire and, and uh, said, uh, we don't have a phone. He said, but I'll take you to one. Get in my truck right here and I'll take you to a phone. And he took Keith to a phone and we, he, you know, called my dad and they came with a wrecker and, and towed us in. And you know what? I didn't call somebody and beg them for money to fix my car. There's one thing, I tell you what, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, that I learned that I would not give everything that we have and every one of you and everything we've done in ministry for. It's learning how to believe God for myself. Because if you don't learn it, you'll never know it. At some point in time, you've got to learn to believe God for yourself. So we went to my uncle's car dealership. He came and got us in his record. We went to his dealership. He had the biggest, hugest Oldsmobile 88. I mean, going from a Vega to an Oldsmobile 88, you know. I couldn't drive the thing. It was like going like this, you know, <laughs> wavering all over the road, you know. But we got the thing. We made payments on the thing. We believed God and sold the thing. But um, we have all been there is the point that I'm trying to make, you know. We don't, I don't drive a Jag today because I believe God for a Jag, started believing God yesterday and got a Jag. No, I've got 25 years of trying to believe God to get out of the mud. So don't, I mean, don't just sit there and pretend like you didn't have to go through some things to get where you are because it's making a bad impression of God. It's like he favors some people like he does me. You know, I tell you that anyway, but he, he really does. I'm his favorite, but, but um, I still had to go through those things. So, And don't be a parent. We'll get back to the sermon now. Don't be a parent that lies to your children. It leaves a wrong impression of God because the only God they know is what they see in you. 
Be faithful to your kids. That's what's wrong with kids today. I mean, I, my nieces and nephews, I've told you this before, they know me well enough to know. I've taken them places. I, I remember it explicitly. When they were little, they were probably five years old, the oldest one. And I said, well, go to Chuck E. Cheese's today. Okay, well, that's an hour drive. I said, but the minute you get in the car and you start acting up, we're turning around. Okay? Guess what? They started fighting. They won't get off my side. They're touching me. They're saying something. You know kids, you know. And I said, if y'all start that, we're going home. I didn't care how loud they cried. I didn't care how, I didn't get to see them. But once a year, I turned around and I went back home. But the next time I went in for my one-time visit and I said, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese's and if you guys fuss, we're turning around and coming home. Guess what? They didn't fuss a bit, Mo. They had a good time. We went and spent the whole day there and they spent all my money and didn't mind it at all. But they didn't fuss, and they're still that way with me. My mom and daddy can tell you, if I tell one of them kids to do something, they know I mean it. They know I mean it. They'll just look me square in the face, and if I tell them, it's going to be that way. Because, you know, I'm not around them all the time. So um, I don't have to say something and not do it. If you say you're going to try to teach our children's people, you know, if you tell them you're going to take their snack away because they slapped somebody, then guess what? Take their snack away. Be faithful to your word. Be faithful to what you're telling them. You know, don't lie to them because that is just an out-and-out lie. If you tell them, if you do this, I'm going to spank you, and you don't spank them, then you've, number one, been unfaithful, and number two, you've lied. So um, be sure that you do that, you know. And somebody asked me the other day, did I have any kids? And I said, no, but only about 2,000 of them, you know. So um, um, you're constantly learning things, and you have to be that way with employees. You have to be that way with your spouse. You have to be that way with everybody. Be faithful. Set a true example of God, okay? Like he is faithful, you be the example of the head of being faithfulness and not lying. Okay, so we got all that settled. Now we can get to the sermon. Are you all ready? Jesus provided all these things for us, the prospering, the healing, the peace, the being rich, the wisdom. He's faithful. He cannot lie. Correct? We all agree that. Anybody does not agree with that, raise your hand. This is not a test. It's a fact. We just showed it to you. So where is the problem? The problem is with us. And the sooner we can admit it, the sooner we can get our answers. The sooner we can come through this and over this and get out of that vega into the jag. Serious about it, you know? Um, There's some things, I'll let Keith tell you all some things about some of that stuff. Turn to 1 John 5. You got to see these things for yourself. First John 5. I ain't just preaching. They are actually in the Bible. First John 5, verse 14. Most of you know this stuff this morning. But it never hurts us to hear it again. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So we're asking, and we know we have them, so why don't we see them? 
Number one, write it in big, bold letters all over your paper. Ignorance of the word. Ignorance of the word. I want to give you a testimony after I read these two scriptures for you. Um, Hosea, you don't have to turn there. We'll look at it on the board. It's a little hard for some people to find, and my time's ticking away. Hosea 4, 6. Miss Jill or Miss April, can y'all put that up back there? I want them to see this, and they won't have to turn to it. And then I want to tell you a testimony that is really going to bless you this morning. You thought I forgot about doing my part of the testimonies this morning. There it is. Look up there with me. My people are what? Destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you shall no, be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forsaken the law of my God, and I will also forget your children. In other words, people are destroyed because they don't know. They just don't know. Hosea 5, 7. See how quickly we can get that up there. That thing's supposed to be speedily. There we go. My people, this, oh, you, you didn't have to do that. Um, I read it, I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible, but you can see it compares. Um, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. And it's all your fault because you refuse to know me. Therefore, I refuse to recognize you since you've forgotten my laws. I will forget to bless your children. That's strong, isn't it? He's going to forget to do those things. And because we don't have knowledge. Now, I want to read you a testimony that when I read it, I almost cried. Um, It's such a strong thing. I don't know if you can see these pictures or not. I'll kind of walk around a little bit. It's a mother and a daughter standing there in a cheerleader outfit. Y'all see that? I know y'all can't see it in the back, but it's a pretty touching story. This lady says that she was standing in line and Cecil and Mary, wherever they are, um, yeah, okay, here they are, were talking to this lady in the line and they encouraged her to um, send in this testimony. And it is an excellent testimony. And it says, I have attached a praise report in a picture of our daughter who was nearly killed and so badly injured that the doctors were concerned that she would not be able to walk or climb a flight of stairs this fall at school. She was miraculously and completely healed that she not only is climbing stairs, but this past fall tried out and rejoined her high school cheerleading team. I've attached a picture taking it. Pastor Moore, we are so grateful for the teachings that we have learned and so much from your teachings. It says, many times throughout this past year, my wife and I have repeatedly said, where would we be and what would have happened had we not have heard Pastor Moore's teaching on the power of your words? She goes on to tell that they purchased the tapes on significance of saying on the Copeland broadcast. And just she was immediately healed of some stomach troubles. But then a couple of weeks later, now listen to that, a couple of weeks after they purchased these tapes and listened to them. Does it pay to be led? They purchased these tapes and listened to them on significance of saying. I arrived home to our home after church on a Wednesday night service and over a dozen emergency vehicles were there, fire engines with flashing lights. 
Our 17-year-old daughter had been run over and trapped beneath the rear wheel of our farm tractor and was going into shock, and they were taking her to the hospital. The tractor's just a little smaller than the average backhoe. Um, Tracy, I mean Kelly, not thinking the tractor was in gear, uh, started the tractor. She was trying to feed her horses and move some things out of the way. She thought the tractor was not in gear, but however, it was in gear with the idle set up fast. And it immediately started and lurched forward, knocking her down, and the rear wheel started to roll over her legs and her abdomen. If, we ha- if it had continued to roll forward even another two to three feet, it would have completely rolled over her chest and the rest of her body. The very edge of the loader bucket just happened to catch the stairway going along the loft. The tractor stopped with all of its weight on the rear wheel sitting on her right leg and crushing her abdomen. The wheel had spun and also twisted, broken, and pulled her right arm underneath it so that the wheel was also on her right arm and forearm. For the next hour, she laid pinned underneath the weight of the tractor. She was only able to inhale and exhale at small gasps of air and turning black because of lack of oxygen. She fought and remained conscious and continued to call upon the name of the Lord. The mother was going to bed, but suddenly knew there was something wrong in her spirit. She cried out in the name of Jesus. She ran down to the barn and jumped out to the tractor and backed it off of her daughter. As she held onto her daughter, she prayed and confessed and said... Well, Kelly says, I, Mom, I think I'm dying. And at that instant, her wife, the wife responded and said, You shall live and not die. And she screaming that over her. The next hour, the paramedics worked on her. And uh, when the paramedics arrived, they were amazed that Kelly was even still alive and had told us that they had never seen anyone survive this type of accident, much less walk again. At that point, one of the paramedics tried to counsel his wife and took her aside, probably tired of hearing her shout and declare that verse repeatedly, and said, Lady, you've got to calm down. Please stop and be quiet. To which she replied, You do your job and I'm going to do mine. They took her to the hospital. She said that they, uh, let's see, her right arm uh, was twisted and broken. The nerves were so, ba- so badly damaged that they were chances of recovery were slim. Having just listened to your teachings on, she calls it the power of your words, we know its significance of saying, we refuse to fear and to agree with this report. And very respectfully and quietly replied, in the name of Jesus, that will not happen to our daughter. I began to declare, great shall be the peace of my children. And immediately her right leg and foot, which were cold and yellow from lack of blood flow, turned a healthy pink color and her right leg became warm. The trauma team stood back a few feet watching as we prayed and confessed fervently with eyes quite not sure of what was going on. This is the paramedic, the EMT people and the other people that were in the hospital. Day and night, we continued to confess the word over her. The first day, they were shocked that she was able to be moved out of ICU into a regular room. By Saturday, remember this happened on Wednesday after church, um, they were able to schedule her for surgery. However, informing them that due to the nature of the breaks in her arm and her foot, they would probably have to do surgery and put pins and rods all over her bones and before putting them into cast but they said that will not happen they began to confess and believe that they will be able to put on cast without doing any surgery with rods or pins one hour later 
The orthopedic surgeon emerged from surgery, and as he greeted us, his face was lit up, beaming and smiling, and said, Man, those bones were in well, in so well in place that no surgery was needed, and all I had to do was put on cast. It goes on to tell, you know, about she's going back to school in the fall, and in order for her to go back to school in the fall, she was going to have to go and walk up two flights of stairs, which they said was going to be impossible. They continued to speak the word over her. By the end of June, this was April, by the end of June, she went on a canoe trip and walked a half a mile, hiked it through both rough trails with no assistance. We continued to listen to your tapes and speak the word of God over Kelly's right hand, which was still in a partial cast and had no movement. After nearly four months of physical therapy, uh, they said that the nerves were severely damaged or dead and were calling it a claw hand. Again, we never verbally agreed with them and confessed she will be whole. Well, she went to the doctor after that and they said, for some reason, let's give it two more weeks. Well, during that two-week period, Kelly's hand and fingers began to move and her bones were completely and totally healed and all the nerves were totally healed. Our daughter was so badly injured that the doctors were concerned that she wouldn't be able to climb a flight of stairs this fall and miraculously, she was completely healed that not only was she able to climb a flight of stairs this fall but tried out far and joined her high school cheerleading team this year. Glory to God. Many times throughout this whole trial, my wife and I have said repeatedly, where would we be and what would have happened if we had not heard the teachings on the power of your words? So do you understand my point about ignorance of the word? Lack of knowledge of the word. If you don't know... I get frustrated, I'll be honest with you. People that say that they're standing and believing God, they don't have their finances, they're not getting healed, they want to know why. And the very first question I have for them is, are you doing what God told you to do? Well, God didn't tell me to do anything. Well, are you a member of Faith Life Church? Yes. Did he tell you to read your Bible out loud every day? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, are you doing it? Uh, no. It's not for our benefit that the Lord told Keith to tell you to read your Bible out loud every day. It doesn't benefit us in any way other than the fact that we get to see you not sick, not broke, not defeated. I mean, that's a good, that's a good point. But if you don't know the Word, if you don't know things, there's things that are being taught in every service every time that the doors are open. Wednesday night, I'd like to say that, that Keith prays the whole time, but if, if he doesn't preach, there's something wrong with him. So um, you have to understand, he used to preach 25 services a week. Now he's down to three. You know, so you have to, he's, he's got to get that in. You know, it's in him. The preach will come out. So um, um, there's things that come out in services that people miss. And it's the answer to their question. And they don't understand why their bills are not being paid. Well, God said, go to church. I hooked you up with that church. Well, does it benefit us? Now, I, I know y'all know me well enough to know I'm just pretty blunt. Does it benefit me in any way for you to come in here and breathe oxygen and not give any tithes because you're so broke and for us to stand up here, prepare a sermon for you, believe God that you get it and so that we can say, you sat in that chair? 
How does that benefit us? See, people have it messed up. It's like we have to go to church because the preacher wants us to go to church. Well, how does it benefit us for you to get word in you? How does it change our lives? I'm blessed. I'm telling you, I am blessed. I've got a new truck. I've got a good car. I've got a wonderful house. I've got the best husband in the whole wide world. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I've lost weight. I'm happy. All my bills are paid. I don't know anybody anything. I mean, I am blessed. I'm blessed. But it didn't just happen overnight. It happened because every time the doors were open and a sermon was being preached, I was there. Because I wanted to know what God said about that area. Maybe I didn't have the money. Like Keith told you all in the beginning, we tithed part of the time. I think back on it and I think, dear Lord, what a blessing you are to have those preachers prepare all that stuff, give those sermons that was just speaking to me like he was standing in front of me, looking into my heart and answering all my questions, and I didn't give him a dime. But you had him do it for me. It's not for our benefit that God tells you to go to church. It doesn't benefit us at all. For you to give money. It benefits you. It doesn't help my uh, personal income for you to give. It helps your personal income for you to give. Doesn't help my personal income, uh, my personal health in my body for you to heal, hear about healing. Doesn't help me for uh, me to know that God is a, a healer and, and where the holdup is. I've been getting my answers to things. I mean, I'll be honest, I would much rather have yesterday been out riding my motorcycle than getting a sermon together. I mean, the truth, guys, let's be honest about things, you know. And uh, so we do these things because we want to see your life changed, your life blessed, your life turned around. You pay your bills, you get a better house, you get a better car. I believe with every fiber of my being, there's businessmen in this place that are going to super exceed anybody that has any money in this town. And you're going to be so blessed that you're going to be able to do things for a lot of other people. I don't doubt it for one minute. I believe there's going to be some very, very, very wealthy people in this church. But you don't get that way by not doing what God told you. Pretty much God's told you to do two things. Go to church and read your Bible. Why would he tell you to do that? So you wouldn't be ignorant of the word. So when situations like this arise and your daughter gets run over by a tractor, you know what to do. Now, did that benefit Keith in any way that these people listened to that tape? We didn't even make the money off of it. Brother Copeland's ministry did. So did it benefit him in any way? Absolutely not. But did it benefit them because they heard that word? Where, where would they be? Their daughter could be dead right now. And she's cheerleading. Big difference, right? Where would those people have been last Sunday that their van went off the road if they didn't know the protection of God? We could be doing seven funerals. Ignorance of the word, number one. Ignorance of the word. You don't know what God has promised you. You can't ask according to his will because you don't know his will. Ignorance of the word. Number two. Unacceptance of the word. Unacceptance of the word. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pull a Keith and, and push y'all on time. Um, I learned well. 
Um, Job 36, 11. Turn there with me. Y'all can find Job. It's right before Psalms. Now again, this is God talking. This isn't me talking. So listen to it carefully. Job says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days, 3611, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. If they obey the word. You'll spend your days in prosperity If you haven't been having prosperity, there might be an answer. If you obey and serve him, when they say they need somebody to cut the grass here or when they need somebody to be in hospitality, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they obey not, they'll perish by the sword and they'll die without knowledge. Listen to it in the NIV. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Listen to the Living Bible. If they listen and obey, then they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. But if they won't listen to him, they shall perish in battle and die because of the lack of good sense. It's important that you listen to him, right? If you want to be in prosperity and contentment. I know there was a a time, I think we were in Illinois, as a matter of fact, and the pastors of the church were sitting here. This has probably been 20 years ago. The pastors of the church were sitting here, I was sitting here, Keith was up preaching, and their son and daughter-in-law were sitting right there. And uh, I've seen this happen. If I've seen it once, I've seen it 10,000 times. And it is the prophet's anointing on Keith's life, and people don't understand that. But I've seen him, because I know the situations that are going on in people's lives, I've seen him walk right up to people and say, you know, this is what he did that day. He said, you know, there's people here that will not even try to do what God's asking them to do. They won't even try. They won't even try to accept what he's told them to do. He said, like, for instance, you use an inhaler every day and God's been dealing with you to try to get off of it and he'd bless you and he'd help you, but you just won't do it. And he did that to that girl. I remember it just as plain as day. The, the lady, the pastor's wife, leaned over to me and, he, and she said, That's my daughter-in-law. She's about to die with emphysema. Less than a year later, she was dead. Wasn't just the confession. It was a bad confession, but it wasn't just the confession. It was the fact that God was trying to heal her and she refused to accept the word that he'd given her. Even after that day, him doing something supernatural for her, giving her exact example and saying, some people won't even try to get off their inhaler and looked her square in the eye. 
She said her and her husband had a bad fight and didn't speak to each other. He went home and stayed with his mother and daddy for two weeks because he, she was convinced that he told us about the situation that they had been fighting about her inhaler and her not trying to get off of it because they believed in healing and they knew the answer for her and they had been riding her probably too much about it to be honest with you but yet and still they knew the end result and sometimes you can try to help people too much and they can fight it I know an example a little closer to home I tell you about me all the time y'all don't ever tell me your stories your bad stories but I tell you all of mine everything I've ever messed up on you know it so Keith and I were married maybe a year and um, we were I told this story before we were at some friends uh, shower and um, I was helping them wind a clock and I closed a pocket knife on my finger and my finger cut the nerve in it and it began to do a curl under number like this and it wouldn't straighten up so I went to the doctor and he put it in a brace and all this other stuff and said I was going to have to have surgery and I'd have to stay in the hospital for days because it was a nerve and they'd have to go way back down in my hand it had already gone way back down in my hand and it would have to come back up here and be, have to be tied back together and all this and it was supposedly real painful and all this other kind of stuff well the day before I was supposed to have surgery Keith had begun to learn some things about healing we'd been listening to brother Copeland just a little bit by that time and um so he had begun to learn some things about healing, and um, he said, Phyllis, why don't we just let the Lord heal that? And I didn't believe in that kind of thing. And I was a bit, no, I was severely rebellious at that time. And if he suggested it, it was like me to go, if he said it was black, I knew it was white. You know, and if he said God would heal, I was convinced he wouldn't. You know, I was just rebellious. I was just playing out rebellious and uh, so anyway lack of a better word we argued all night long saw the sunrise I was supposed to be at the doctor's office at 7 the next morning which was an hour's drive so we were supposed to leave about 5 30 or 6 that morning I got there I walk in the door they gave the nurses checked me all in put me in my gown put me in the hospital bed did all these things to me I walk in the door and the and the doctor walks up and he takes the thing off my finger he looks at my finger he said there ain't nothing wrong with that finger and now, you know doctors, they want the money anyway. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm sorry. I know we have doctors in here. That was rude. <laughs> rude, rude, rude. Anyway, not all doctors are that way, okay? Some doctors are very good doctors, and they just love people. Anyway, this particular guy must have been that way because he said, you don't need surgery. Your finger is perfectly healed, and it is perfectly healed to this day. But I was so rebellious, I God healed me right there. He said, well, can't, Phyllis, at least get down here on the floor. Let's kneel, and let's just pray about it for five minutes before you go have that done. He refused to even go with me because he knew God had healed my finger. And so I'm laying there, kneeling there. And uh, my hand's on the bed, and I felt it. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him for months. And uh, y'all don't do things like that, I see. Okay. I didn't tell him for months, but my hand was laying on the bed, and it's almost impossible to get this. You try it. Lay your hand flat and try to get that middle finger just to raise up by itself. It's kind of difficult. You know, and it just raised up and bent all the way back almost like this, and the rest of my hand was flat. And I didn't tell his eyes were closed. He was praying. I wasn't praying. He was praying. Thank God for a, a good husband. Thank God. Thank God for one that don't get put out with you too easily. I had a good one. And uh, so anyway, God healed my finger. But you know what? 
it was, he is so merciful to us. If he can have one person believing him in a unit like that, he can do things for you. But you've got to agree with him. You at some point in your life have got to agree with him that you are healed, that you do have wisdom, that you can be rich. You have got to agree with him and quit kicking against the pricks and trying to rebel against it. You at some point have got to quit trying to find an argument about why he doesn't want you rich. Or an argument as to why he doesn't want you healed. He doesn't heal everybody. It's not God's will to heal me. If he wants me healed, I'll be healed. Well, that's not what he said. He said, by his stripes, you were healed. He's already done it. He's already given you wisdom for all those bad confessions you've made about how terrible your kids are and you don't know what to do with them. He said he's given you wisdom. So at some point in time, you have got to agree with the word. At some point in your life. You'll have to be like me and submit and get it right and quit rebelling. You're only hurting yourself. I was only hurting myself. Why would I want to go and have surgery when God could heal my finger? Why would you want to go through all the pain and money? We didn't have insurance. We were going to have to pay for it. We were kids. We were 17, 18 years old, broke, living in borrowed trailer money, and we owed for the washing machine and the TV and the, everything else we had, the car and the truck and the... You know, everything. We owed for everything. And God was trying to probably save us money along with heal my finger. But I didn't want it. So you got to agree with him sometime. And then finally, say yay! Yay. Finally. You weren't supposed to say yay. (laughs) That was a joke. You were supposed to say, aww. (laughs) Finally, James. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank y'all. James. Oh, you're not going to like this. You will? Good. Good. James 1, verse 2. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) My brothers, everybody got it? I want everybody to see it with their own eyes. Count it all joy! When you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, earlier I said I got a little bit ahead of myself. And I said we didn't go to people to borrow money from them. I think the only time anyone ever gave us money as far as us need, And we didn't ask for it was when we got our house, my mom and daddy gave us $5,000 to get in our house. And they had told us they were loaning it to us, but, you know, my good mamas and daddies, a few months later, they said, you can have it, you know. So that's the way good mamas and daddies are. But anyway, they gave us $5,000 to get into the house that we bought. But they never knew. They can tell you. They, they sit right there. Keith's parents never knew the days that we went without eating while we were in school. And the days that we only had dried up carrots in the refrigerator that we didn't have food to cook. And the days that we had to believe God and I had to Keith, take Keith all the way out to school because we only had gas in one vehicle. And the days that the transmission tore up and we had to believe God to be able to get to work and I had to have one of the girls that I work with come and get me every day. And she was kind enough to do it. But I didn't call somebody and say... You know what? We need some money. 
We need money. Did I ever call y'all and ask y'all for money? Ever? Never. Never called Keith's parents and asked him for money. Never called my neighbors and asked him for money. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't feel guilty if you have or if you need it. We want to help. But what my point is, I would not have traded believing God and learning how to trust him for a meal or a tank of gas because how to the mercy of God would we have believed for this building? How would we have believed when there was absolutely no way? My daddy's sitting right there. He was sitting in the back seat and he says, I love him. This is the way a daddy would do. He says, now, Phil, y'all got things that things are going good for y'all. Y'all sure y'all want to do this? Why would we want to bite off this building when we've got everything is going wonderful for us? I mean, he could see we didn't have a congregation. A smart daddy. Check this twice. But if we had not started with the $5 for lunch and the $20 for when gas was $10 to fill up your car with gas, we wouldn't be here today. You don't get from a tank of gas to a building that seats 2,000 people without learning how to believe God somewhere along the way. You don't get there. And it's not okay to every time you have a problem, go to people with it. You will never learn how to trust God. You at some point in your life have got to make a decision if you really believe God is faithful or not. Or if he's a liar. And if he's faithful and he said he's never seen his kids begging for bread, then he'll get you some bread. Now, Daniel in the lion's den, it got up to the wire. And the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they were in the furnace. And the Red Sea, the horses, like Keith says, was breathing down the backs of their necks. They were there. But you got to get there and you got to get your nose in the carpet and make a commitment, I trust you, God. You are faithful. You are faithful if every person on the face of this earth lets me down. You're faithful. And just like that $500 that you brought us that time, you'll do it again and again and again. Karen is my witness. Stand up, Karen. Karen does our accounting. How many times has it come payroll time in the years that you've worked for us? That day we had to have a miracle. How many times? Many times. Has God ever let us down? Have we ever not paid payroll? Not one time. Not one time. Why? Because Keith and Phyllis are so good? No. Because he is faithful. You do what he called you to do and he will provide for you. The problem is people are doing their own thing and they're too ashamed to go to God because of all the other things that they're doing. No, get your face in the carpet. You have a need. You need healing. And I know that word is not popular. He says not use it, but you still need healing today in your body. You need your light bill paid or they're going to turn your lights off or you're going to lose your house. You need a new car. 
Because you're not believing, you're still in need. Get your face in the carpet. Don't try to believe for a new car when you haven't believed for $5 for lunch. Don't try to believe for a new house when you haven't been able to pay the light bill on the apartment that you've got. Start where you are. Get out from underneath the barrel. The test and trials will come, but it's what you do with those test and trials and who you go to with them. If you go to people, you will all your life go to people. If you go to God, you will all your life go to God. It came to a point in time, I know my mother and daddy well enough to know that if I would have called them and I would have said, Mama and Daddy, you know, we don't have any food. Would you please send us some money so that we can eat? They would have cried because we didn't tell them. They'd probably be mad now because I didn't tell them. But the day my daddy was sitting in the back of my truck and he didn't have the money to buy this building, where would we have gone? You can get out further than people can help you with. If you're going to prosper as much as God wants you to prosper, you're going to get out beyond this church very soon. And what we can do for you. I mean, I hate to see people suffer. But if you're going to really accomplish something for God, um, if you can't believe God to pay your rent, then you're sure not going to believe Him to give you that $6 million house. Say, that's right, me, $6 million house. I know that's a lot. So what? You're going to live in one in heaven, ain't you? God's will on earth as it is in heaven. So there you go. Anyway, um, a couple of other scriptures I'm going to read to you and then we're going to close because it's already past Keith's time even. Um, Y'all won't tell him, will you? Y'all didn't say no. Now you were supposed to say no on that one. No, that's all right. I'll tell him. He'll call me. He'll be done calling me the time I get out of here probably. Um, Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, taking the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, do what? Stand. stand. Let's look at the next one. First Timothy six twelve. You don't have to turn to these. Just listen to them real quickly and write down the verses, and you can look them up later. Since we've already passed our time frame, that was Ephesians six thirteen and fourteen. Having done all to stand, stand. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Somebody told me the other day it was the cutest thing I think I heard all day long. They've been coming to church here for a little while and they, we walked out of the giving and receiving tent and they looked up my, at me and they said, you didn't tell us living by faith was so hard. It is in the beginning because you're having to watch everything you're saying, you're having to stand, you're having to not confess those bad things, you're having to not think those bad things, you're having to stand when it looks like you can't see a way out, you're having to believe when it looks like there's no answer on the way. It is. It's tough, especially in the beginning. But the more you trust Him, the easier it gets. And easier and easier. So um, that's the next one. 2 Corinthians 10.5. I get ahead of myself sometimes because I know the next part. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when those thoughts come, that's the, that's the fight. That's your fight right there. You want to know what the fight is? Fight the good fight of faith. You ever wondered what that was? This is it right here. 
fight the good fight of faith is when that thought comes and says, Dave, your carpet store is going under. Business is going down. You, I know Dave well enough to know the first words that's going to come out of his mouth is, that's not ever going to happen to me. We're going to prosper and we're going to do good. When the thought comes, you're not going to have enough money to pay payroll. What do you say? Oh, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They're all going to know we're broke. All of our people are going to know that we're broke. Well, that's the first thing the devil says. It's It's a pride thing most of the time anyway. Everybody's going to know how broke we are. Immediately. No, the first thing you say is, God is faithful. He's not going to tempt me above what that I can believe for. He's going to show me the exit sign. He's going to show me the way of escape. He's going to show me the way to get this fixed. And the first way that you get it fixed is cast that down and say, No, God's faithful. He'll come through this time. He came through last time. He came through the time before. He came through the time before. He came through the time before. And He's not going to let me down this time because He's faithful. Y'all remember that. Say it. God is faithful. There are some of you in here today believing God for a transmission in your car, believing God to pay your rent. And you've not told a soul, but God knows it. And you're growing, and he's going to come through for you. I mean, and the stronger your faith gets, the quicker you get answers. It's, it's like Keith said about Friday night about the rich people get things cheaper because they can just go up and hand $75,000 for a house, you know, where the poor people have to borrow the $75,000 for the house and pay for it four times. You know, well, it's the same thing to me with the faith stuff. It's easier today for me to believe God for $10 million than it is for me to believe God for $10 when we first got in this. It is. It's easier. It's, it is just easier. I tell you, I'll never forget having to believe for $10 to buy us a meal with or put gas in our car. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done because the thoughts come consistently. And the problem is, it's not because it's harder. It's because you think on those thoughts longer than I do today. That's the difference. And if you can learn that in here today, that that'll get you through your faith way quicker and you'll grow up way faster. When those thoughts come, you don't think on them five seconds. You know where that thought came from and you cast it down. Elsewise, you're going to be in this thing with your mind and it's going to be hard to stay in faith. That's why it's harder. Because now I know God is faithful. Now the devil couldn't convince me he's not faithful. My staff will tell you, I get so mad if one of them says, what are we going to do? I think... Get a grip. What did we do every time? You know? We believe God and we fall back on God is faithful. He's never let us down. He's not going to start today. And the quicker that you can cast down those imaginations and thoughts, the easier your faith walk will be for you. The easier it'll be. Okay, one last thing. For we which do believe do enter into rest. And that's where the difference is. The fight of faith to the rest is you cast down those imaginations and you rest expecting that God is faithful and he's going to do it for you. And every time those thoughts come, stand up on your feet with me. Let me read you these two scriptures so that you'll know I didn't forget to do my summary and I gave you a real good three-point sermon here this morning. (laughs) Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall. Then this is my favorite one of all favorite ones. It's Keith's favorite one. It's what we were singing about. It's what we're going to sing about again. 
2 Corinthians 2.14, what does it say? Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe you're going to triumph? Do you believe that he's going to make you prosperous? Do you believe you're coming out of debt? Do you believe you're healed? Why can you believe that? Because he said it. Because he said it. That's why.